My name is Annie Grossman and I'm a dog trainer. I'm the owner and co-founder of School for the Dogs, a dog training center located in Manhattan's East Village. On this podcast, I talk about dog training, interview industry experts, discuss pet trends, answer questions, and try to communicate my love for all things related to behavioral science. Thanks a lot for listening. I think this podcast will help make you the best possible human best friend any dog could ask for. I really hate Caesar Milan. I have found that there are basically three kinds of people. The, f- the first kind of person falls into the category of many of my friends where um, and those people just don't care at all about Caesar Milan and see my hatred of Caesar Milan has some sort of quirk about me, kind of as if someone, I don't know, you know, someone who hates the Beatles. It's, it's something you know about them that sort of doesn't make a lot of sense. Then there are uh, people I know who are dog trainers um, like me, and pretty much every dog trainer I hang out with uh, feels the same way uh, as I do about Caesar Milan. Then there is a third category of person who loves Caesar Milan uh, to the nth degree. And these people are very vocal about how much they love him. And, you know, this is a podcast essentially about dog training. And here I am three years and 160 odd episodes in, and I have very, very rarely mentioned Caesar Milan, uh, or his show, his uh, the show he's best known for, The Dog Whisperer, on this uh, podcast. And um, it's sort of intentional uh, because uh, I am not that interested in engaging with people who adore him uh, in any kind of dialogue. And uh, I guess I have therefore steered clear of talking about him for that reason. But um, I want to give a little bit of background about my feelings about Caesar Milan and then uh, talk about um, Caesar Milan uh, in 2021. So I first heard of Caesar Milan, uh, I think it was. 2006 and um I I don't remember thinking very much about him or or researching him very much I wasn't dog training then I wasn't particularly interested in dog training but I remember I was dating a guy who who mentioned him and just how incredible he was sort of what a magician he was nobody knew dogs like Caesar Milan and um yeah, I, I remember getting the sense that he was kind of um, a dog magician. Uh, and that, um, and then I guess in, in the years following that, I, uh, I became aware that 
he was sort of becoming synonymous with dog training um, to the point that um, I actually wrote an article uh, late 2007 when I was still uh, working as a freelance journalist for the New York Times about how uh, his show was inspiring more and more people to um, become professional dog trainers or to think about becoming professional dog trainers. And I really had no, no idea at that point that um, there were uh, different approaches to dog training. And this is something I think I talked about in one of the early episodes of the podcast, how uh, it seemed to me um, kind of like insider baseball when when one dog trainer poo-pooed another dog trainer's uh, methods, whereas now I see, or the way I see it is, it's not even so much that there are different methods, and that method seems like something you would equate, like one method is perhaps just as good as another method. I I have a hard time even seeing it that way, because to me, there's like the science-based stuff, and then there's stuff that's based in... um, myth and and I guess you could call it hope and magic and um and certainly a lot of uh training that is about using force and punishment um so I I I feel like there's good dog training and then there's like everything else and to say you know some people use these methods and some people use those methods and you have to treat everyone with respect no matter what methods they use. I, I don't know. I, I no longer really see things that way, but I certainly did at the time. So I am, um, empathetic to those who have, <laughs> have not seen the light of positive reinforcement dog training and that, um, I know what it's like to just see it all as kind of one thing and when I wrote that article I definitely saw it all as one thing. A few years later I enrolled in the Karen Pryor Academy uh, to become a dog trainer although like I said even then I don't think I really knew that much about you know different schools of dog training. Um, I think I kind of lucked into uh, finding a program that ended up pointing me in a direction that made a lot of sense to me. But right before I enrolled, I met a trainer in the Philadelphia area, uh, Lou Mandy, a great guy. And uh, I went to his home and he showed me some of um, the stuff he had done with his dog. And he told me about the the Karen Pryor Academy program. And uh, I remember him making some sort of comment about how you know, you couldn't mention Caesar Milan to Karen Pryor Academy people that Caesar Milan's name was like Voldemort. Um, and I still at that point sort of, I think, rolled my eyes and thought like, whatever, you know, people are so touchy about things. Uh, totally did not get it. Fast forward <laughs> a few years, um, graduated from Karen Pryor Academy and, uh, I had a sense uh, at that point that what 
Caesar Milan was doing was antiquated, that he really was not up on the science of behavior and uh, the the technologies uh, that we that we use that that draw on behavioral science in order to train a dog um, that he didn't know about learning theory that he didn't understand um, classical conditioning and operant conditioning that he um, just sort of had a, an old-fashioned view of dog training but this is just what I sort of gleaned from hearing other people talk about him. Um, I never really watched the show. Uh, and uh, one day I was actually with my godmother and um, for whatever reason, she was curious to know what I would actually think about the show if I, if I did sit, sit down and watch it. So we watched the first episode of the first season together and um, I was pretty horrified um, what I saw was dogs who were really stressed out, dogs who were showing a lot of signs that they were uncomfortable. I mean, at that point, I knew how to read dog body language, and I could read the signs of stress, and I saw that if he was accomplishing things with these dogs it wasn't because the dogs were into it. It was more like um, the dogs had entered kind of like a, a zombie state of, uh, of after being terrorized and were willing to do whatever was necessary um, only because they were um, just so dead inside, basically. Um, and I mean, I remember the first episode of the first season, he he gets this dog who's terrified of um, walking across uh, like a tile floor or a linoleum floor or some sort of shiny floor, basically by dragging him over the floor over and over and over again. Um, and uh, I guess we watched maybe more than the first episode or we skimmed some other episodes, but I remember, you know, seeing dogs... Um, snapping at him which at that point I also felt like you know you're you're doing the dogs you're not doing the dogs a favor really by uh by making them display the behaviors you're trying to get rid of of course I know this is tv and there's an extent to which um I guess the producers are dictating what's going to be shown but as a dog trainer you know we we at school for the dogs when we're going in to work with a client we don't want to see the dog snapping or lunging or doing all the things we're trying to get them to stop doing because we're trying to keep those behaviors from happening and every time the behavior's happening it's like the dog is working out that muscle so the last thing we want is for us to be there and the dog to be practicing that behavior uh, i'd prefer to never see uh, a dog perform one of the behaviors we're trying to work on getting rid of if it's if it's um you know if it's something uh that we can keep from happening but on his show saw lots of dogs lunging snapping i mean he even gets bit on the show over and over um so that was uh uncomfortable for me to watch and um Overall, I just 
really felt uncomfortable with his general message, which is that it's all the human's fault that if a dog um, has behavior issues, it's because the person isn't assertive enough, um, the person isn't powerful enough, doesn't have the right energy. And um, I, I saw that and I thought, you know, God, it's dog training just shouldn't have to require that someone re redo themselves as a person you know I think that um I want dog training to be easy I want dog training to be understandable for the people I work with I don't want people to feel like they need to go into therapy and start a yoga practice and, you know, really rethink who they are as human beings uh, in order to get their dogs to listen to them, nor do I think that that's necessary. I have seen handicapped people train dogs, elderly people train dogs, young kids train dogs, and energy, uh, the energy that he's always talking about seems to me like it's just an impossible thing to pin down and it's also so subjective you know I might think someone has great energy and you might think that person doesn't have great energy right like I always think of Donald Trump and as an example I I don't like his energy if that's what we're going to call it but certainly plenty of other people think he has wonderful energy uh, energy is just, um, it's not observable, uh, and documentable in, in any kind of, um, scientific way when, when it's being used in the way that it's used by people when they refer to a person's energy or a dog's energy as it has to do with dog training. Sure. Maybe it's a shortcut for, you know the way someone is standing or the you know the 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 tenor of their voice um but uh if that's the stuff we're talking about then we should be more specific i think and refer to things that are observable um that uh can be measured rather than sort of blanket giving these like blanket statements about someone's energy being either bad or good or assertive or not assertive. Um, I also didn't like how um, how he talks about his special powers that he was born with, which is something that he talks about, I think, in the in even in the in the intro to the show, um, because I believe that dog training is something that people can learn. I think uh, we are all born maybe with an innate understanding of behavior because we are animals who are behaving all the time and dogs are animals who are behaving all the time. But um, I don't really believe that some people are born with a special knowledge of dog behavior versus <laughs> other people who are born with uh, less of a knowledge of, of dog behavior. And, um, and I also just saw a lot of... Um, you know, flat out punishment in the episodes that seemed to me uh, like it was in the long run going to be doing more harm than good to the dogs. 
um, which is something I've talked about a lot on this podcast about how, you know, punishment might work in the moment, but you have to consider the fallout and, um, the fallout for the dogs Caesar Milan works with, um, I'm sure is something that happens after he and the television crew have left. So in, within the span of time that's being shot, uh, the they might be filming success but i really have a lot of doubts about whether or not the dogs he has quote unquote helped have had success in the long run and um and you know there's this disclaim- disclaimer on on the sh- on his dog whisper show about how you know you shouldn't try these techniques at home and i think you know that's that's too bad you know if if someone's devoting their time to watching a show about dog training wouldn't it be nice if they really could use those techniques at home and of course i'm sure plenty of people have used those techniques at home uh so i had a lot of feelings about about um the dog whisperer after that session of watching um watching it with my godmother and then a couple of years after that, um, after I had partnered up with Kate Sinisi, who I call my work wife, <laughs> uh, we were trying to figure out where we could teach classes. And we ultimately um, transformed my living room into our first uh, classroom. But prior to doing that, we were considering lots of different options and we heard about um a dog daycare that uh had just opened up in in Williamsburg in Brooklyn and um that they were looking to maybe have classes there so we reached out to the owner and uh and asked if we could meet with her and I remember like we put together a, like a whole presentation for her about what we could do as far as offering classes um, in her space. And after we, um, we remember we were at a cafe in Williamsburg and, you know, we gave our, our spiel for 30 minutes or whatever. And uh, when we were done, she said something like, you know, well, I really believe that when you're training dogs, energy is the most important thing. So how do you guys uh, work with um, dogs with energy. And I, I just didn't know what to say. I, I said, I I mean, I think I said something along the lines of like, well, the training that we do is really rooted in the science of behavior. And we try to work with variables that are, um, measurable, whereas, you know, something like, uh, energy is is uh not really part of what we talk about when we're talking about the science of behavior as it relates to dog training and we attempt to use the the least um you know invasive methods possible we don't believe in using force uh i don't remember exactly what i said but probably something along those lines and um she was basically just kind of like well, I think that I think that uh it's more important to um 
consider both a person and a dog's energy in dog training. And I said something along the lines of, um, really, well, where have you gotten your education about dog training? And she said, well, I've watched a lot of the dog whisperer. (laughs) And I just like couldn't, I just couldn't believe that here I'd, um, you know, decided to devote my life to dog training. I had, um, you know, graduated from Karen Pryor Academy. I was a certified professional dog trainer through the Certification Council of Professional Dog Trainers. Like, I couldn't believe that um, Kate and I were sitting across from someone who was like equating um, our expertise with like having watched a lot of the Dog Whisperer. And I, I was just totally speechless. <laughs> and I think I like just stood up and left. Um, <laughs> and Kate like quickly followed me but like I just couldn't I like couldn't I didn't think I could like sit there and continue to be across the table from this person without um like blowing my top <laughs> and afterwards both Kate and I went home to our separate apartments and um ended up writing blog posts about Caesar Milan um and uh, I posted, I'm, maybe I wrote a couple of blog posts. I know I posted at least one that had a compilation I found on YouTube of him kicking dogs. He does this little like back kick with his heel into a dog's ribs. Uh, and um, yeah, I just, I posted that and wrote, you know, feelings along the lines of what I've been saying here and uh Kate wrote her own thing and uh no no blog post I've ever written or no article I've ever written I mean nothing I've ever written anywhere has gotten so many comments as um these blog posts that we wrote um to the point where I ended up setting up a filter in my email uh to filter the alerts about these comments into their own folder because I was so overwhelmed with uh, the amount of comments. And the comments were pretty much across the board um, from people who love Caesar Milan and were accusing me of not knowing what I'm talking about um, and of, you know, how, like, how dare I basically was the general um, tone of the comments. Um, a lot of them talking about how I'm just jealous of him. And, you know, truth be told, I guess I am somewhat jealous of him because I wish I had the kind of platform that he has in order to um, spread the gospel of dog training that uh, I think um, is a lot more humane and makes a lot more sense. Um, and yeah, I mean, I guess I wish I were a, a millionaire. So in those ways, I suppose I'm jealous. <laughs> but I wouldn't uh trade it all in in order to um you know be training dogs the way he's training dogs um so after uh those blog posts and those comments which came in for years and years and years um i sort of stopped wanting to write about caesar milan or talk about caesar milan because i think um, you know, <laughs> the behavior of expressing my opinion, opinion about him had been punished 
um, by all these uh, haters telling me what a jerk I am for not loving him. Um, And, uh, you know, it certainly has made me think about why he's so beloved. I think part of it is that he has sort of... um, There's something about him that's like the underdog who has made good. He talks a lot about being an immigrant um, and coming from a very poor background and starting with nothing. And uh, he often actually relates that to dogs, which I don't quite see the connection there. Um, But he argues that that helps him understand dogs being an immigrant. Um, He... Uh, also really does seem like sort of a magician. I think um, a lot of that has to do with good editing. Um, I think uh, if you choose the little bits uh, of a whole training process to show in a consolidated amount of time and then don't follow up to see the the fallout or the, you know the aftermath of, of using these punishment based techniques i think it's possible to make make for a clip that does seem sort of magical and uh, and i think i actually said this in one of the blog posts i wrote you know you do have to give him credit for having good timing with this punishment if he had I think that plus the good editing is what makes him look so marvelous uh, is um, these kicks that he gives and whatever else um, he is, he does have sort of an an innate ability, perhaps you could say it's innate or learned, I don't know, to uh, punish dogs with the kind of timing that at least in the moment is effective. Although, like I've been saying, we don't know what the fallout is. So why am I talking about the dog whisperer today of all days? Well, he has a new show coming out uh, and it is airing tonight for the first time. It is called Better Human, Better Dog. And uh, here is the audio of the trailer. When I started my journey, I wanted to teach people that there's no such thing as a bad dog. From the leader of the pack, she won't listen to me. Today's a new day. Claim your space. Comes a story, a new series. She has forgotten how to be a dog. No more excuses. It's now or never. Discover tranquility through training. I need you to be calm and confident. It's amazing. You did good. Season Milan, Better Human, Better Dog. New series, Friday, July 30th at night on National Geographic and Nat Geo Wild. So the the trailer here and the images about this new show all show dogs with their eyes closed kind of uh and he has his eyes closed and i think i think it's all supposed to look like he and the dogs are sort of um meditating and <laughs> what's interesting is I've often thought about how he talks about the need to be more calm uh, and uh, confident and assertive, but he often doesn't, it doesn't seem like he ever actually talks about how to become a more um, calm, confident, assertive person. Uh, It's like, what is, what is the plan in order to make that happen? Do you just need to like, do a lot of yoga or (laughs) meditation. Um, 
So maybe, maybe he uh, actually explains that in the new show. I don't know. Well, we will have to see. Um, But in my experience, having been a dog trainer myself for 10 years or so, like I said, I just don't think that um, good dog training requires uh, so much work on one's self. I think there's a lot that we can do um, simply by understanding uh, how to smartly arrange environments and to think about um, the different kinds of conditioning and what's motivating a dog and what associations a dog is making. Um, Stuff that uh, I feel like we can explain to clients very clearly the steps that need to be taken rather than, you know, suggesting almost like, you know, you better get yourself into therapy for the next 10 years, by which point (laughs) your dog might be dead. Here's a clip I found of him talking a little bit about the show. So better human, better dog. How would you say this series maybe differs from Dog Whisperer, which a lot of people remember you from? Well, Dog Whisperer, I used to go to people's home, you know, and now people are coming to my land, my dog psychology center, 43 acres of magic. And so I have my own area where I can help people immediately practice, you know, uh, all the activities, stretch, walk, run, rest, and uh, sometimes they sleep. They do stay at, at, the, at the ranch because I want to make sure that as soon as they wake up, they learn about the formula, the rituals, and the symbols. You know, so I, I, now I have a place where people can stay over and so, I, so they can submerge themselves in, in my philosophy, you know, and with my community and with my animals. And so people just learn, uh, you know, what, how do I, how do I do things? Why my energy is always a certain way, calm, comfort, love, and joy. Why I always practice exercise, then mental stimulation, then, then affection. Why I follow that formula, you know? So I bring in people into my land now with my community and my animals and my family. So it's going to be completely different. It's definitely, it's like when people go to India, (laughs) they go over there (laughs) so they can practice that. So people come into my ranch to submerge themselves and just, and just to uh, to be free. So, what kind of issues are most most coming to your ranch? Uh, is there one in particular that seems to plague people? Well, you know, I've, I'm known uh, to to be the guy who can help you with aggression. I know mm-hmm. I am known. It's only three, you know, side effects a dog can develop: is aggression, fear, or ignoring you. You know, ignoring you is like, oh, my dog doesn't listen to me. You know, he runs through the streets and chases the squirrels and things like that. That's that's dangerous uh, to the dog, you know, and annoying to the human. But de- definitely the aggression is definitely a, a, a behavior that is dangerous to society. So the first episode, uh, we, uh, we're dealing with a dog named Goliath. That, uh, his owner has, uh, a, you know, a neurological problems such as uh, uh, seizures and and so when the paramedics come to him, uh, Goliath becomes overprotective, rightfully so, you know. Um, and so we are going to turn, well, actually we turn that dog into uh, a dog that can not be able to, you know, help that, the, the, his human into a service dog. So now Goliath, the pit bull, uh, who was showing signs of aggression, we turn him into a paramedic. Wow. Um, is this? Do you feel like any dog can be rehabilitated into into a good pet, or are there some that are just even? You find that you you can't help. 
Now, many times it's not if the dog can't change. Many times it's if the human is willing to do the work. And, and the truth is many times the energy of a human is too, too soft for the dog. So it's not compatible, you know? So it, it's so many people rescue a dog for the wrong reasons. And th that's why I, it's very important to, for people to understand energy. You know, most of the friends that you have are compatible to you. That's why you get along. And so, and sometimes uh, family members, you're not compatible, so you don't get along with them. You see it? So, so that energetic understanding is very important. So you never have to worry about, is, can I ever change the dog? Because your energy, just by being a little stronger than the dog, automatically gives the dog a sense of direction. You know, so you, your energy have to be calm, confident in order for the dog to share calm, open-minded. Well, what do you hope people can take away from watching your show? Oh my God, uh, fully understanding that we don't have problems with mother nature, in this case with a dog, that the, uh, the, the formula uh, how to achieve happiness with a dog is learning how to connect, learning how to communicate, learning how to achieve the, the relationship that we're all looking for, which is trust, respect, and love. Imagine a world full of trust, respect, and love. It just, we will be super positive. We'll be uh, a better planet, you know? That's why I'm saying better human, better dog, because the human needs to achieve this calm, comfort, love, and joy. The human needs to achieve trust, respect, and love. The human needs to do exercise, discipline, affection, body, mind, heart. So once you accomplish that, and then you can go to the Olympics. You see what I mean? That only the people that prepare themselves to be you know, positive, calm, confident, fade, and all of that, they go to the Olympics. So also, those are the better humans, right? To represent in the Olympics. So in this case, you know, uh, how you become a better human, it's just about you, your energy becoming calm, comfortable, love, and joy, regardless if you don't have money, right? Because this is not about money, fame, and power. Animals don't care about money, fame, and power. Animals can live with homeless people. Animals can live with handicapped people. Animals can live in the jungle of the Amazon. So it's not about, you know, the wealth that we human think we must have to have a dog. Because a lot of people say, oh, I don't have a house. Oh, I don't, but homeless people don't have a house. Oh, I don't have a big backyard. Uh, it doesn't matter. That's not what makes a dog happy. What makes a dog happy is that you know how to connect, communicate, and have a natural, simple, profound relationship. Oh, well, thank you so much, and I'm sure that people will learn a lot from watching this new mm -hmm. series. Thank you. Take care. That is from ABC7 Chicago. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. I mean, I, I don't even know where to begin. There's so much that he says there that I just feel like it's just like, it's just somebody saying words that are strung together in a way. It kind of sounds like it makes sense, but not really. I mean, I mean, for one thing, I think yards can can really uh, make <laughs> some dogs happy. Um, I also uh, I I understand how nice it is to have um, you know to be able to bring dog owners to your own space to teach them there. I mean, we have our own facility at School for the Dogs, and um, and certainly is nice that, that they come to us, that we can control the environment um, to set up the dogs for success. But uh, I also think um, going into people's homes, there's a lot of value to that because um, the dog is not gonna end up living at his uh, dog psychology center, I think is what he calls it. Um, but more than that, I mean, you just hear him talking about all of this uh, energy stuff um, 
being a uh, calm, confident love joy it's it's just sort of hilarious when you when when you have a little bit of an understanding of dog body language to watch his his shows see how um how unhappy these dogs look and yet his whole message seems to be about um calmness and uh positivity and joy etc cetera, etc cetera. but you know what it's a new show um like i said i am not a caesar milan expert I have watched um, some episodes through the years of his show, The Dog Whisperer, but um, and I've watched some clips of his other shows. But I, 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 uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he has changed his ways. Although this clip of him talking about the show um, does not really uh, give me a lot of confidence. Um, that he is now um, working with dogs in a way that acknowledges that um, there is a science uh, of behavior that impacts uh, how dogs learn and that can be used, um, that we can use what we know about behavior to uh, train dogs without, um, without force and coercion and without having to um, completely revamp who we are as people. Um, There was a a show that I watched the other day on, you know, it's also funny that it's on, his show is now on Disney Plus because there are uh, lots of dog trainers. And I think I actually talked this in the, talked about this in the last episode, um, uh, talking about Jean Donaldson's book Culture Class, where she talks specifically about Disney and how, uh, in some ways, um, we might blame a lot of people's expectations about dogs on Disney for giving us all these animated animal characters um, that seem to talk and walk and think like people, um, encouraging people to uh, have unrealistic expectations of pet dogs, um, sort of thinking about dogs as furry people on four legs rather than sort of meeting dogs where they are as dogs and giving them what they need as dogs. Um, Caesar Milan has become such a part of our culture now that I, I worry that, um, no, other kind of dog training will ever um, will ever be as popular as the kind of uh, uh, ill ill advised, <laughs> um, hard to explain type of punishment based training that he calls, uh, you know, he labels as something rooted in positivity and joy uh i i i think it's because um you know and I, and i've mentioned this to a couple of dog trainers who've who've um told me that uh it's nothing new and i think they're right that there have long been uh dog trainers who use these um kinds of harsh methods uh and people love it because um punishment can 
get results and make people feel powerful. So using punishment can be reinforcing. But what I think makes Caesar Milan different is his um, the the way that he coats it with this icing of like new agey, new agey, zen. Uh, Zen-ish <laughs> stuff. This this mandate uh, about about um, people needing to become happier, healthier, calmer people. Um, I was watching a movie called Dog on Tr- Dog Gone Trouble on Netflix with my daughter the other day, and there was a Caesar Milan cameo or a cartoon version of him, at least, um, and. In in this cameo, he's talking about this. Although, of course, he's talking directly to dogs who can um, s- understand his words and speak. Here's his little cameo in "Dog on Trouble." I want all of you to close your eyes and clear your minds. We're going to enter into trust, respect, and loyalty. Remember, that's what makes you a dog. Huh. And here I thought sniffing butts would made us dogs. But now, let's do a breathing routine. I want all of you to bury yourself deep into your mind. Now, plant good feelings and let them grow into your soul and take you to your happy place. Whoa, I want whatever bone this dude's been showing me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, one thing that many dog trainers when I've asked them how they feel about Caesar Milan, a lot of dog trainers will talk about, um, you know, and, and positive reinforcement based dog trainers are, uh, mindful of trying to, um, you know, reinforce good behavior. So often I, I've heard dog trainers say that he, he, um, that they like the way that he encourages people to make sure their dogs get enough exercise and enrichment. And, um, and I think that that is true. So, uh, if I need to say something nice about Caesar Milan, I will say yay for encouraging people to give their dog exercise. Um, overall, I feel very vulnerable having um, now uh, talked in a room by myself for half an hour about Caesar Milan. Like I said, I felt quite attacked, um, even though I didn't really agree with any of the comments that I got on these blog po- this blog posts these blog posts that Kate and I wrote years ago um just the sheer number of them um was uh impactful and um so yeah I feel kind of um yeah I feel I I feel vulnerable I feel vulnerable having um having criticized him uh, without anybody next to me being like, yeah, you're right on, Annie. <laughs> um, so uh, I'm just being honest about that. Uh, for that reason, uh, I'd like to end this episode with uh, an interview Caesar Milan did with Alan Titchmarsh in um, 2012. Uh, he is a British talk show host. Um, I think he's mostly known for doing programs about gardening. But he had Caesar Milan on, and I thought uh, it really uh, showed Caesar Milan's knowledge about animal behavior or lack thereof. Um, so I'm just going to end this episode playing this clip from this interview. 
And um, yeah, thanks for listening. How did this happen? Well, first I was a dog walker and uh, I was called a Mexican guy who can walk a pack of dogs before they call me the dog whisperer, you know? And I walked dogs off leash. I didn't know it was illegal to walk dogs um, in America mm-hmm. uh, off leash, you know? And so to me it was the land of the free. So dogs have birthday parties, so they should be able to walk off leash. And I grew up that way. I grew up in a farm, you know, knowing that walking a dog should be off leash. So by being a dog walker, I develop uh, uh, a respect or a trust uh, with American people. And then they said, well, can you work with my dog? So then I opened a dog psychology center and that's what the story was. <laughs> now, there's a difference that you've got owners and you've got dogs, you've got to train dogs. You've also got to train owners, presumably. How much well, of it is their responsibility? In, in the beginning, I wanted to learn from Americans how to train dogs after watching Lassie and Rain Teen Teen. And that, <laughs> I, felt, I thought that all people in America had this, the same thing, Lassies mm. and Rain Teen Teens. But then I saw people walking in the streets with their dogs. So that was unusual for me because in my country or where I'm from, I I never experienced that, you know? So then that's when I said, well, instead of me training dogs, I'm gonna train people, right? And that's that's when I said, train people and rehabilitate dogs. So uh, how long does the process take? You take, an owner comes to you as having problems with their dog. How quickly can you make a difference to what they do? Well, for me and the dog is easy. Uh, but for me and the human, it takes a little while because a lot of times don't want to. <laughs> a lot of times people don't want to let go of the bad habits. You mm-hmm. know, so for example, you ask somebody, uh, "How do you feel?" I'm fine. See, they don't recognize they're not calm. You yeah. know, they just say in the work, "Fine." The dog doesn't know what you do for a living. He just knows how you live your life. So when I come into a situation, I am calm and confident. Right? Most of the people are. He's not listening to me. Yeah. I, I do everything you say, I read the books, and he doesn't listen to me. Yeah. He said, so they're tense and frustrated by the time I come to. So to get the human away from that state of mind, it takes a little while. But your techniques are very controversial. Many say your techniques are old fashioned. You punish dogs, you hit them. Oh. Um, I've seen you punch a dog in the throat to get it to behave. And most people, I'd say myself, that for me is totally unacceptable as a way of training a dog. Well, obviously I uh, respectfully disagree with that. It's not a punch, it's a touch. Right? I and watched the video of it. If somebody touched me like that, I would hurt. Oh. It was, you went for the throat and you punched the dog back and the dog then bit you and held onto your hand. Well, it's, it's a touch, it, it looks probably to you, but it's a touch. In having watched quite a lot of boxing matches, it looked to me like something Henry Cooper could have delivered. <laughs> obviously, that's not the goal to punch the dog. The, the, the goal is just to snap the brain out of it, right? And, and so you can then provide energy and body language. But you also work with electric shocks through collars and spikes on collars, spiked collars that, that really hurt them. You know, this is pretty barbaric treatment. We wouldn't treat children like this nowadays. Right, We'd be right. locked up if we did. So what's your reasoning behind treating dogs like this? Well, there is a certain situation for that purpose. You know, um, at the time that I come to a situation like that, the dog is already wearing that tool. You know, so when I came to America, I didn't use tools. We don't have pet shops where I'm from. So, we, so when you come into a situation where people are already using the tools and they're not knowing how to use it, that's all I'm doing. I'm just showing them how to use it properly. Well, there's a great, you just explained to me earlier on that people can't do what you do because they've got the wrong attitude. Right. And yet they watch you doing it. They'll go and try it. And by your own admission, they won't be able to do it as well as you right. do. So there's a grave danger. They will maltreat their dogs right. hugely because they're not doing it, you would say, 
properly. Well, that's what I say, consult a professional. That's mm. the key. You know, so but you you're showing educated. on television they're going to try it, aren't they? Well, uh, unfortunately, right? Just like in a cigarette, they say don't you know, smoke skills and people still doing it. Uh, uh, you can only help people, but you that, know, to but understand. That, that sounds a bit like an excuse. Can I just read you? We've, we've, we have to say we've never had so many complaints about a guest. Right. Uh, so I've got points I need to make you. You know, we could have said, right, we won't have him on. Yeah, You're yeah. on because I want to put these points right. to you. Pain and distress to dogs, mm -hmm. as people talk about. Copycat training, the risk to owners. Perhaps one statement I can read out is the RSPCA, the Royal Society for Prevention of Cruelty to, Prevention of Cruelty to Animals, mm -hmm. who say ad aversive training techniques, which have been seen to be used by Season Milan, can cause pain and fear for dogs and may worsen their behavioural problems. The RSPCA believes that using such techniques is unacceptable, nor are they necessary to change dog behaviour for the better when other dog trainers use reward-based methods to train dogs very effectively. Well, my goal is to teach people how to become calm in the first place, how to prevent from ever going into that situation. So the, the, the whole concept or the idea of uh, trust your instincts is for you to reconnect yourself with your natural way of being. So you don't have to use tools. But would you ever stop using these aggressive ways yourself? I mean, you still do it. You still do it yourself. You know, you still use the foot to, to kick the dog in the soft underbelly behind the rib cage. You still use these, you know, the electric shock cause, the spike cause, the, the punching in the throat. Until you stop doing that and say there are better techniques of, of bringing up your dog, of training your dog, people are going to copy you. I, I do use food. I do use food. And, and one situation, uh, actually, a parrot helped me to achieve the goal that this lady wanted. This lady wanted to kiss the dog. And the dog, every time she comes in near the dog, the dog bites her face. So when I came to her house, I saw how the parrot was in control. So I said, put the little parrot on your shoulder. Now go kiss the dog. So they were very respectful to the parrot. Mm. You see what I'm saying? So it's not just treats that you can use. You can use your environment to actually achieve what you want. But does it not worry you? You can't get pleasure out of hitting a dog, surely. I don't do it out of pleasure. I do it to snap the brain out of it. But there are other means, people say there are other means, experts say there are other means of doing that. And we've got a, you know, you say dogs are pack animals, for instance. There's a professor of, of anthropology zoology who says dogs do not set up wolf-type packs. They don't organize themselves in the way wolves do. Dogs are not striving, in other words, for household domination. Mm. Well, uh, the whole point of family is a pack. So the dog uh, obviously finds himself very comfortable. But we comfortable don't beat our children and we're a pack, if you like, if you think about but it. It's that a family. Way. Yeah, it's a family. It's, it's, it's semantics. You know, it's, it's, it's the word. If you don't like the word, that's fine. It's the whole point. It's, it's um, to create a family. It, I've seen many times how a cat controls yeah. a Rottweiler. Yeah. At the moment the dog comes, the cat goes, Paka! and from that point on, th that cat is in control. So that, that cat actually listens, that dog actually listens to the cat and now he's human. Your methods, I've no doubt, will continue to be controversial, but thank you for coming. Thanks for letting me be Thank you so much for listening. And special thanks to Bill and Lizzie of Toast Garden for the amazing theme song. You can find Toast Garden at youtube.com slash toastgarden. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review on iTunes. You can also support us by shopping at storefortheDogs.com, and you can learn more about us at schoolforthedogs.com. 
You can also connect with other listeners by downloading our brand new app. Just visit schoolforthedogs.com community.